Welcome to the sermon podcast of Damascus Road Church. For more information about Damascus Road Church, go to damascusroadonline.com. Back last night, actually, from a week of family vacation, Leslie and I and our kids, along with my parents and my brothers and their wives and uh, their kids. So it was a, a group of uh, all of us Colwins gathered together for a week in uh northern Michigan, like real Michigan, not the UP, uh, on the other side of the lake, uh, digging for Petoskey stones, fossils that I didn't even know existed uh, in Lake Michigan in all kinds of colors of rocks. This is just a good time to be together as a family. And then yesterday, Leslie and I celebrated our 17th wedding anniversary. Yeah. On our ride home. Super romantic. And our air conditioning was kind of teetering on the 93-degree day. So uh, it was perfect, you know, the stuff of greeting cards. <laughs> also, I found out, I didn't know this existed, but Tony preached on the mustard seed last week, right? Uh, yesterday was National Mustard Day. So we lined that up really well. So yesterday was a big day. It's our anniversary. It's Elizabeth Burge's birthday and Mustard Day. Pick which one you like best and go celebrate that. Um, I'm going to jump right in. We're preaching today the second of twin parables that Tony started last week when he preached the parable of the mustard seed, which was all about uh, the kingdom exploding from the smallest, seemingly most insignificant ways and uh, just going nuts. And the invitation to get in. And as Tony preached, this is not a kingdom that is kind in, kind out. This is an all-in sort of kingdom. Um, The kind of stuff that you get consumed by. The kind of stuff that's actually like an addiction. I can't get enough of it. I want God to keep giving me this good stuff. I don't ever want to be free of the kingdom Is it in you? Is it running through you like that? Do you hunger for the kingdom like that? That was the parable of the mustard seed, the way it gets in and just blows up in our life in all kinds of good ways. Today we're going to preach the second parable that is the second part of Jesus' response to the question, are you sure this is the kingdom? This is not what we were expecting. And Jesus responds with these two. So if you have your Bible, you can open up to Luke 13. We're going to start in verse 18 to read both of the twin parables, and then we'll talk about today the leaven or the yeast. Luke 13, starting in verse 18, says this, He said, Jesus said, Therefore, what is the kingdom of God like? And to what shall I compare it? It's like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his garden, and it grew up and became a tree. And the birds of the air made nests in its branches. And again, Jesus said, To what shall I compare the kingdom of God? It's like leaven that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour until it was all leavened. So again, Tony preached last week that Jesus inaugurated the kingdom. He brought the kingdom. He established the kingdom. And you were invited. Not just to be a fan. Not just to say, yeah, I like Jesus. 
I'll follow him sometimes. But like, are you consumed? Are you like an addict? Do you crave what God has for you and through you? These two parables back to back. Jesus talks, the first one, this mustard seed, is a garden image. The smallest beginning explodes with growth. And now today, in verses 20 and 21, the parable of the leaven or the yeast. Now, how many of you have ever made, I don't know what it's called, like Amish friendship bread? Where your friend gives you like a little starter, this active leaven starter that's been used in previous batches and they kept some back and you're supposed to take that and that's what gets your bread going right that's the activated stuff that's what leaven is leaven is yeast in dough that's already working and uh, jesus tells this parable of a woman who takes the leaven and puts it into three measures until it's all worked throughout he says he she hides it it's just continual kneading until you can't tell what's the leaven and what is the flour. It's all worked in throughout. You don't even notice it until something begins to happen. And it works all the way through and all the bread starts to rise. Now in Jesus' math, this little bit of leaven works through enough flour to feed 150 people. That's the kind of math. So it's this twin parable of saying, right, from small beginnings, from seemingly insignificant beginnings, boom, like growth explodes. It works through it. And leaven goes even a little bit different uh, direction. It says from seemingly unseen beginnings and unseen workings. You can't always see what God is doing, right? But he's doing, but he's working, but the kingdom is growing, is advancing, is affecting everything, right? That's what Jesus is getting at here. This parable is a parable of hope. Lots of parables are parables of challenge. Jesus is like confronting a paradigm, a way of seeing in people where he's like, I want you to wake up. I want you to wake up. This is a different kind of waking up where all he wants them to have is hope. I I want to answer you yes. Yes. Is, Is the kingdom here? Is Jesus inaugurating the kingdom of God? Yes. You can you can be confident of that. You can hold your confidence in that it is. Hey honey. I won't don't laugh. It starts with what seems like is insignificant. And it is expanding. That's it. That's the meaning. There's no, like, profound, hidden, secret meaning to the parable. It starts out small. It starts out where you can't even see it. It gets planted. It gets started. And it affects everything. It's here. And it's growing. Now, one day the kingdom will be fully here, right? When Jesus comes back, he will fulfill his kingdom. He'll bring it in all of its wholeness. And we get to experience that day without any illness, without any pain, without any brokenness, when everything is fully restored. That's out here someday in the future when Jesus comes back. And we don't know when that is, but we're called to be ready. 
right now, it's already at work. It's already here, just not quite yet fully. But it's already bubbling up, just like leaven in bread. It is here. It is growing. Now, Luke is a smart dude. So we're in the Gospel of Luke. Luke was a doctor. He was one of Paul's best friends. He ran with Paul. And as he starts his gospel, he says, I, wanna, I wanted to make an orderly account. So it's like he studied Jesus and his life and his teaching and his ministry. And he said, I want to put this together in an orderly way so that people can understand who Jesus is and then come to live their life in him. Right? Luke is writing on purpose. All of it's true, but Luke is crafting it together intentionally. And so as Jesus starts out these two twin parables, it starts out with, he said, therefore. You guys know the therefore rule in the Bible, right? If there's a therefore, you ask, what's it there for? So we don't want to just pull these two parables out and like pull them completely out of context. I love when we get to back up and view the scriptures in context, the way that they were put together, the way that they're meant to be heard. So Luke does this on purpose. He says, therefore, Jesus told him two parables. What's, what's it there for? What happened just previous that Jesus is responding to? Well, that starts in verse 10. So you can look in it in your paper Bible. We'll put it up on the screen. This is what happens just previous to these two parables. Now he, Jesus, was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. And behold, there was a woman who had had a disabling spirit for 18 years. She was bent over and could not fully straighten herself. When Jesus saw her, he called her over and said to her, Woman, you are freed from your disability. And he laid his hands on her. And immediately... She was made straight, and she glorified God. But the ruler of the synagogue, indignant because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath, said to the people, There are six days in which work ought to be done. Come on those days and be healed, and not on the Sabbath day. Then the Lord Jesus answered him, You hypocrites, does not each of you on the Sabbath untie his ox or his donkey from the manger and lead it away to water it? Ought not this woman... A daughter of Abraham, whom Satan bound for 18 years, be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath day? As he said these things, all his adversaries were put to shame, and all the people rejoiced at all the glorious things that were being done by him. So I want you to track with me, and let's unpack this a little bit together this morning. Luke does this really cool thing in the synagogue. The synagogue shows up in Luke. In his gospel, he's doing it on purpose. If you went all the way back to Luke 4, Jesus shows up in this synagogue to announce his ministry. For the first time, he's going public with his ministry. It shows up in Luke 4. And it reads in in chapter 4, verse 14. Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee, and a report about him went out through all the surrounding country, and he taught in their synagogues, being glorified by all. And he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And as was his custom, 
he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day and he stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, Today, this scripture has been been fulfilled in your hearing. Luke 4, Jesus declares his ministry. He says, When the kingdom of God shows up, these things happen. What are these things? People hear good news. Not oppressive news, good news. When the kingdom of God shows up, people find healing. People are healed. People are set free. People who cannot see, see for the first time. And I really wholeheartedly believe that he's talking about all different kinds of healing and freedom. That he's talking about physical healing and freedom. People who are actually bound in chains or Walking hunched over, I believe that the gospel brings healing and brings freedom. And I think there's stuff that you can't see. Emotional stuff and spiritual stuff and mental stuff that Jesus says when the gospel shows up, people find healing. People find freedom that they didn't even know they needed. But their eyes are opened and they walk in healing, and they walk in freedom. So it's not an accident when Jesus shows up in the synagogue in Luke 13, and a woman is bent over, and he sees her, and he says, my kingdom is for her. Now, what does it say there in Luke 13? A couple of things that I want to note about this interaction. When the kingdom has arrived, Jesus says, says he called to her. And he called her to him. So there were times where Jesus walked up to people. He went to people. This is an instance where Jesus called somebody out and he says, You there, come here. Now, I don't know if you've ever been in a position of brokenness or bent overness or sickness and somebody put a spotlight on you and that was exactly where you didn't want to be. You ever felt that? You felt embarrassed and you felt shame and somebody said, let's look at that. That's what he just did to this woman. Woman, come here. Now it might have taken some time because she's bent over for 18 years. Jesus is in the spotlight. He's teaching in the synagogue and he's at the center of attention. And you know what he does to this poor old woman? He brings her into it and he puts the spotlight right on her. How unsettling is that? It kind of feels like a jerk move. Until you realize healing is about to take place. Let's highlight the brokenness so that we can glorify God when healing comes. Not to add greater shame and condemnation, which she may have been feeling as she walked toward him. Oh, great. He's going to point something out 
in me. He says, now I want to highlight this because I want people to see what God can do when the kingdom arrives. He says, I'm going to shine here. I'm going to put your weakness on display so that God's power can be seen. And again, not to shame, but to bring glory. Jesus sets her free from what he calls bondage. That is crippling her and has been for 18 years. And then people get mad. The leaders get mad. They say, that's not what the synagogue is for. The synagogue is for right teaching. And, and on the Sabbath especially, we're not supposed to work. Healing feels a whole lot like work. And Jesus just points the hypocrisy out. And he says, you guys have animals. They need to drink. You have to go and untie them. You're going to do that on the Sabbath, right? How much more an actual person, a woman. And he calls her a daughter of Abraham, which, again, when the kingdom of God shows up, it reveals how unlike the kingdom of this world it is. A daughter of Abraham was a high, lofty compliment. Somebody who looks put together is what they expected. Somebody who's walking in health and in prosperity. And he says, this right here, she is a daughter of Abraham. And he gives her the high compliment. And what he does when he does that is he's living out the parable that he's just about to teach those two. From the seemingly insignificant bursts the kingdom. The kingdom does not show up in all the ways that you would expect it. It shows up in brokenness and glory is revealed. Jesus sets her free. How much more a daughter, he says. So in Luke 4, Jesus announces his ministry, announces that the kingdom is here. He sits down and he says, today this is fulfilled. Now you jump forward to 13, where he just said the kingdom, when the kingdom shows up, people are healed, people are set free in all different kinds of ways. In Luke 13, someone is healed. And he says, this is the kingdom at work. The synagogue leader says, that's not what I'd expect. I'm kind of angry about it. And he says, you're a hypocrite for it. This is what the kingdom is all about. Is this the kingdom? Is the question. Is this the kingdom? And Jesus' answer is, it is. And this is only a taste of it. It is happening. And it's not happening. It's not being inaugurated on the palace grounds, in the high and lofty places with the people who seem all put together and healthy already. The kingdom is showing up in the ordinary. So he tells two parables, right? Up of a garden with the mustard seed and a kitchen with the yeast. He startles us with the unexpected. The kingdom shows up at the wrong time on the Sabbath day, in the wrong place with and for the wrong people, and it brings healing and it brings freedom. So what do we do with that? I want to apply that. I want to take that and I want to jump into that together. Number one point today 
to apply this in our lives, to soak in this. Jesus' kingdom is here, and it is growing. He brought it. He started it. And it's been advancing since. It's still growing. Are you in? Just like Tony preached last week, are you in? Are you consumed? Is it the thing that makes your pulse go? Do you want more and more and more kingdom awareness in your life? Are you consumed by it? And that's what Jesus is getting at. He's not asking for so-la-la followers. He's not asking for people who want a little bit. He's asking for people. He's inviting people to get the whole thing, to be consumed and growing and soaking. That's number one. Jesus is still king, and his kingdom is expanding. If you're in, be encouraged, because just like the parables, no matter what it looks like as you look around the world, the kingdom is growing. Be encouraged. Number two, God sees you. God sees you. Our king was a Galilean peasant who talked about his kingdom using unexpected people. Gardens and kitchens instead of palaces and high places. He uses women as main characters. Now, he uses men and he uses children. He uses masters. The invitation is to all, but it's significant that he uses women as main characters of a picture of his kingdom. Women were not highly regarded. Women didn't have a high place in their culture, in society. And Jesus says, I see you. You are valuable to me. I see you. And I will put you up as an example of kingdom living. If you here today, if you think that you are unworthy... You're right. You are not worthy to stand in front of God based on your good life and your good deeds. You are not. But that makes you a prime recipient of grace. And you receive worth and you receive value because of how God looks at you. You don't have it cooked up inside you, which means you don't have to strive to make it. You receive value. God sees you. If you feel insignificant, he's speaking to you. He says, from from the seemingly insignificant stuff and even insignificant people, if that's you this morning, he's speaking to you. And he says, my kingdom is growing. Do you want it? My kingdom is for you. Do you want in? I want it to blow up in your life. Do you want it? And if you feel insignificant, this is good news because it's for you. Your worth comes from him calling you worthy of affection. You're valuable because he places it on you. God is king and he sees you. That's number two. Number one is, are you in? 
The kingdom is here and the kingdom is advancing. Are you in? Do you want it more and more and more? And if so, be encouraged. Number two is he sees you and he is acting on your behalf. Number three, God's kingdom really is about healing and it really is about freedom. And here's here's where I want to give you It's either an invitation or a challenge, and you get to decide. When is the last time you prayed for healing? For yourself. When is the last time that you prayed for some level of freedom in your life? For yourself or for somebody else? And again, healing that could be physical, it could be emotional, it could be mental, It could be relational. It could be spiritual. Any kind of freedom that is needed or healing that is needed, even in ways where you feel like you're walking in health or you're walking in freedom, but you want more of it. When is the last time that you just asked God for yourself or for somebody else? Have you ever done that? Like, Do you know that you are invited to ask for healing? And do you know that you are invited or challenged, depending on how you look at this, to pray for others, for healing, and for freedom? I want to tell two stories just about me, personally, around prayer. Um, the first is, I, I used to, and I, I feel like I'm still getting over a feeling of shame in asking people to pray for me. Now, there's some messed up stuff here for me, like, I'm a pastor, I shouldn't be broken, I shouldn't need freedom, I shouldn't need healing, unless it's like sickness that I didn't have anything to do with or whatever. It's like, yeah, could you pray for me because I don't feel great, I have a cold, that's a fine prayer. But in the other stuff, like, I need freedom from fear. I used to feel a lot of shame at even thinking about saying that. And I'm getting over that. I'm just letting that drop away. That's my own personal walk in doing that. I also didn't, I tend to not want the spotlight to be on me. So for me to ask people to pray for me puts the spotlight on me. And I got to go back this morning to that woman bent over whom Jesus puts the spotlight on and says, it's not even about you. It's about the kingdom And you get to be a recipient, and God gets glory. What's not to want about that? So if God puts the spotlight on you, don't take it off. Like, don't take it off. Tell stories and seek the activity of God. Even if it means you have to be seen, then be seen. This is not for your own glory. This is not for, wow, are you mature? You're so spiritually, oh, wow. This is, how amazing is God? He works in every single one of us. None of us are beyond his touch. So let's have it. The second story is, I told a couple of people this uh, privately last week. You guys know that I came back from dad camp with my oldest daughter, Elena, right? And just a super good week of us bonding together and me saying yes to whatever she wanted to do and growing 
uh, in connecting with each other and connecting with God. One of the things that all the dads did every morning while we were there, the girls would go off, the daughters would go off and do some sort of craft uh, bond together. I'm not even sure what they did. And the dads would take alone time, quiet time, by themselves, not with other dads at that point, and go off somewhere and sit down and open up their Bible and pray and journal and just spend time with God. And I would go off and hide in the woods and find wild raspberries and open up my Bible and like journal and pray and uh, had some rich time. And one of the mornings, I felt like God was pressing on me, not in a should kind of way, like, you really should be doing this more. Darn it, why don't you grow up? But in a, hear me. Let me say something to you. I want you to pray for people. And that was kind of it. That wasn't, it wasn't like, I want, you, I want you to do all these great things. I just want you to pray for people. I was like, cool. I need to pray for people. I put it down. Then the bell rang, the big uh, gong bell that rings all throughout camp, calling all the dads back to the trail to walk back to the daughters. The moments uh, passed on, and we go to the next thing. And as I walk out onto the trail, I see another dad who I don't know, and I felt like God said, there, that guy, pray for him. And I was like, nope, mm-mm. That's, that's weird. That's not God. I'm sure that's not what you mean. One, I don't know him Two, there's this other weird thing, like I'm a pastor and pastors are supposed to pray, so like, how about I just go introduce myself? Hi, I'm a pastor. Would you like me to pray for you? Like, yeah, weirdo. Okay, so I'm like, that would be weird. Second is we're all going back to our daughters. It's not the time to pray. God, certainly you're not telling me to pray for this guy right now, but I couldn't really let it go. And so I just made observations of who this guy is so that if God didn't want to let it go, he could bring the guy back to me and say, I mean it. Like, this crazy, go do it. He's got red uh, earpieces on his glasses. I made a couple other observations. I, I, can, I can get that guy. I can see him. And then I just sort of let it go and breathed peace at running away from God. <laughs> right? <laughs> so later on, I think it was a day later, all the dads are walking out of the dining commons, and I see that dude walking away from me. The red earpieces are walking away. And I take note, and I'm like, oh, maybe I'm supposed to. And in that very moment, I see another dad merge, come up behind him, put a hand on his back between his shoulders, lean over the railing, and they both start praying. And the guy's praying over this dude who God told me to pray for. And I had this mixed reaction. One of, oh, God, you were maybe actually telling me to do something weird. You were maybe actually speaking in that moment, and I just missed. Now, what's awesome about it is I didn't feel guilt. I didn't feel shame. I didn't feel like God was saying, you worm. I'll get somebody else to do it then. Fine. It was like, fine, if you're not ready to, I'll get somebody else to do it. But hear me, I am working, and I want you to pray for people, and I want you to step into this, even if it feels weird. Step in. So here's the challenge. 
two challenges today. Number one, I want you to identify an area of your life where you need greater healing or freedom. I want you to do it. I want you to identify an area of your life where you need freedom or healing and you are not beyond this. You identify it. Physical healing, emotional healing, relational healing, spiritual healing. If God puts that on you to say, this, this is where you need it. And pay attention to that. You identify an area of your life where you need freedom or healing because God's kingdom is about freedom and healing. Maybe it's an area where you're already growing and you need greater levels of freedom and healing. Maybe it's an area that has just been closed off and you couldn't even imagine what healing or freedom looks like. And you don't even want to let yourself go there. I want you to identify it. Maybe it's an addiction or a vice, a hurt, a habit, a hang-up any kind of freedom or healing that God starts to point out to you to say this. I want you to identify that. And then here comes the challenge or the invitation. I want you to ask somebody to pray for you for freedom, for healing, in a specific way in your life, in Jesus' name, that only he can provide. I want you to ask, and they don't have to be qualified. If they're in the kingdom, they're qualified, right? If they're following Jesus, they're qualified. Ask them to pray for you in Jesus' name for this specific area of healing. I want you to be vulnerable. I want you to take a risk and open up and say, look, I, this is going on. I don't want it. I want what Jesus has. Will you pray for me? And bonus points. You get bonus points if you do it in person. Like if you actually ask them to pray for you in person and then you pray in person. You get like, uh, all right, I did it if you email. Okay? If you email or text, hey, pray for me to find healing from this cough. That'll do. Okay? But if you actually walk into the invitation of saying, will you pray for me? No, I mean like right now. Will you put your hand on my shoulder and just pray for me in Jesus' name? I want that. Number two, pray for someone else. Maybe ask them directly for an area of their life where they need greater healing or they need greater freedom, or maybe you already know it, and God's saying, just go and do it. Just go and do it. Join me and jump in. Pray for somebody else. Also, bonus points if you do it in person versus sending a text that says, praying for you with some sort of smiley face. Okay? That'll do. That's good. That's great. You just get bonus points for I don't know what. If you do it in person, it's powerful that way. It could be somebody you know, or like I missed, it could be 
somebody you don't. And you could feel like, nah, that's weird. Maybe God's doing something weird. God is supernatural. We expect him to show up in ways that don't seem natural, right? So ask somebody to pray for you. Pursue the kingdom that's already here, is already at work, and is advancing, and pursue the healing and freedom that he is offering. And extend that to somebody else. Pray for somebody else. Jesus' kingdom is surely here. It is surely advancing. It's the kingdom where the unexpected find healing and freedom. And you're invited. Let's pray. God, I thank you for Luke's orderly account. I thank you for the way that he paid attention to you, the way you moved and the way you taught and the way you brought your kingdom, showing up in the synagogue and announcing healing and announcing freedom starting today, he said. And a kingdom that started and a kingdom that is and a kingdom that is growing and a kingdom that is coming to fulfillment one day. Would you help us to see it? Would you help us to be consumed by it? To go all in? And would you help us to receive what you're offering? Would you help us to rid our life of the bondage and the illness that we're walking in? Sometimes claiming those things as friends. Like we don't know what life would be like without those things. Would you help us to shed them? Would you help us to let go? Would you, would you invite us again and again and again, Jesus, in your name, to walk in freedom, to walk in healing? Would you make us people who receive from you over and over and over? And would you make us people who extend that to others over and over and over? Jesus, we pray in your name. Amen.